0: Welcome back to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I am your host, Demetrius Malbro. And today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jerry Gable, who is the head of standards at Strata Identity. And Jerry's career in identity management spans more than two decades and also includes various roles as an IT specialist at Chase Bank, industry analyst at Burton Group and Gartner, and product and standards support at Axiomatics and Strata Identity. So, Jerry, welcome to the gumbo. And uh, what's going on? Hey, Demetrius. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. Let, let's start with the obvious question. Explain to everyone what Strata Identity does. Absolutely.
1: So we're um, a, a player in the identity management market that focuses on identity orchestration. And so that's basically an abstraction layer or the VMware for identity, we like to say. Okay. Uh, it's an abstraction between your applications and the identity infrastructure that they use to authenticate, you know, whether that's identity providers, multi-factor authentication, and so on. So we're in that flow, orchestrating the setup of a session, uh, depending on the requirements for, for access to different kinds of applications.
0: Okay, nice. So let's just say that your company is really relevant right now with all the things out there that threat actors are utilizing, You know, like ransomware and exfiltration and social engineering. And the list goes on, right? I, I read a study today that shows... It was about something about 13, every 13 seconds an attack happens. I mean, it was, it was really ludicrous, and it was so many, so much around the numbers. <laughs> well, it didn't, wasn't there an article out last week, was it last
1: week, about how many attacks that J.P. Morgan faces every day? Yeah, so the yeah. numbers, the numbers yeah. are just astronomical and not slowing down anytime soon, that's for sure.
0: I saw that. This number was from Four Scout Research and Vadir Labs recorded more than 420 million attacks between January and December of 2023, and so that is 13 attacks per second, which is a 30% increase from 2022. So, man, it's it's wild out there. Yes.
1: Yeah, my heart goes out to all the CISOs out there that are on the front line and their teams dealing with this every day. It's, yeah, it's, it's not an easy job for sure.
0: Yeah. And let, let's get into policy and procedure. And we know that a cybersecurity program has to be steep and um, esteemed in, in policy and procedures and security controls. And it all has to start at the top of the organization from the board and the CEO on down. So why don't you explain what policy orchestration is and why it's important? Yeah, sure.
1: I think it's the, the corollary to identity orchestration that I was just talking about, you know, where you have multiple IDPs and other kinds of identity apparatus that need to be coordinated. Mm-hmm to get the sessions going for, for users and customers. But then what happens next? What do they have access to? That's where policy comes into the picture. And we mean access policy or rules You know, for who can do what, who can see what resources, what data, and what, who can perform different functions, call different APIs. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about with access policy. So why do we need to orchestrate that? Well, because we're in a multi-cloud world. You know, right. there's many studies out there that give you varying numbers of how many different cloud providers that a typical large enterprise is using. And it's more than one. And of course, each of those cloud platforms have their own way to define and manage access rules, whether right. it's at the application, the data level, the network, the infrastructure. They all use different technologies.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the idea of policy orchestration is, you know, can we build or can we define a way to manage that very disparate and varied environment in a single way, in a uniform way? So that's what policy orchestration is all
0: about. So, and I'm assuming there are different policies. So which, which policy, is, is there one policy over the other that's like more important than the other or... Does it work like Lego blocks?
1: Yeah, it's more the latter, right? It's getting everything working in unison. You know, the policy for who can define a network segment is different than, you know, who can access various rows in a database table, but they have to be coordinated, right? You have to have the right people getting onto the network that accesses the application that gets to the data. So Mm -hmm. there's all these stoplights, if you will along the way. And you, you want them to be coordinated for the people who do have access. And then you want the stoplights to be read for the people or, you know, um, services that should not have access to those things.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm going to throw a buzzword out there, zero trust. So I guess this, this fits into that wheelhouse of zero trust and least privilege, et cetera. Is that, is that a fair statement?
1: It, it could be, you know, you could, be. you could, you could think of it that way. Zero trust, you know, Generally speaking, is you know we we want to verify access at every attempt, and Mm -hmm. you 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 typically apply that to networking. You know, I think that's where that term got its start, but it can apply to everywhere else in the typical IT infrastructure uh, stack, if you will. And then least privilege is you know is a term that's used sometimes as well, and I like to. Twist that a little bit and say exact privilege. You know, you should have exactly the access that you need to do your yeah. job function.
0: No more, no less. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I- interesting because we we're, we're just continuing to to see the rise. I mean, it's getting really crazy out there. I mean, the headlines are nonstop. I mean, it was about what a few years. Let's say five years ago, we only saw maybe one major breach or something like that. All over the news, but now it's like multiple a day. Now, I mean, you're reading solar winds and major casinos and police stations and water treatment plants and hospitals, and I mean, the list goes on. So, mm-hmm. th- there's also something as well. I know there's a lot of ac- acronyms that are that are out there too. And I saw IDQL. What what is that?
1: Yeah, well, that that's part of our um, policy orchestration standard. Okay. So there's there's really two pieces uh, to that puzzle, if you will. IDQL or Identity Query Language is a common format for defining access policies, mm. and so it's a vendor neutral way that you can define rules. You know, and it's uh, has five parts. You know, subject, action, resource or object, conditions, and scope. So okay. with that formula, you can map out pretty much 90% of all use cases. So the idea is that I can define these access rules in a standard format, a vendor neutral format. And then the other side of the coin, the other piece of the puzzle is Hexa. Because we figured it's it's easy to define you know, a, a specification like IDQL and just throw it out to the industry and say, hey, everybody go and adopt this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we, we realized, you, that the industry needs uh, some help in getting a standard like that implemented. So we created the HEXA open source project.
0: Oh, it's open source.
1: It's open source, it's a CNCF sandbox project. And what it does is it takes the IDQL and it can translate it to the format of a target system. Or we can connect to a target system, pull in the policies or rules that are in place, bring them into a console and translate them into IDQL. So now we have a single format that we we can use to manage a lot of different environments. And there's, there's a lot of benefits to that.
0: Yeah. So is I, is it fair to say IDQL is kind of like a SQL query language, like SQL for identity? Is that kind of what it is?
1: Yeah, somewhat. We, we want it to be, you know, an industry standard, but also a neutral format. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the key aspect here because, you know, we're never going to, as an industry adopt a single access policy language. You know, there's too many incumbent ways of uh, doing that and, you know, to get the whole industry to to agree on something like that is just, you know, just monumental. So we don't want to change what's in place for the runtime decision-making and enforcement. This is really an overlay of managing policies um, mm-hmm. across that environment.
0: Okay. So let, let's say you were on the escalator, maybe maybe the elevator with the, let's make it the CFO. Because the the CISO may have heard of something like this and CEO probably definitely, that's def- completely out of his wheelhouse. How would you describe IDQL and HEXA? In the less technical way as possible for, mm-hmm. let's say, you just happen to run across and had maybe a minute or two to explain this IDQL and HEXA. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I would say that IDQL and HEXA are a vendor neutral way to manage access policies consistently in a multi-cloud environment. Okay, So there's a reduction in risk because now I have... You know, I have better control over all of my access across mm-hmm. you know, for these dumb sensitive resources. And um, as well, I have better visibility of who has access to what. So we okay. can have a, a better security posture against potential attacks or threats.
0: Okay. So it helps with, okay, minimizing the risk because risk management is, is the name of the game. And... Uh, also maybe that could also tie to the to to the whole goals and objectives and the value of the organization and all the data that it holds so right protecting the crown jewels of your environment which is your data and it's able to do that across all of your cloud environments because the the shared responsibility model is sometimes misunderstood. Mhm. Do do you agree with that as well?
1: Yes, yeah, I do for sure. But I think, you know, we hear about some of the, sometimes we hear about the details of, of these breaches and mm-hmm. it can come down to mis- Right, you uh, know, that this one door was left open. A
0: bucket or yeah, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so what we're trying to do here with, with IDQL and Hexa <clears throat> is improve the consistency of access controls. You know, so if you have data in BigQuery and you have data in Snowflake and other places that you mm. can you manage that access in a uniform way. For example, okay, you know, that's that's the concept be behind this policy orchestration standard.
0: So you said it's registered or it's through CNCF. So it's an open source project, and you said it's a is it sandbox right now? Or?
1: Yes, yes, we're we've been in the sandbox for just over a year, and. You know, CNCF is a great organization. You know, the in in support of these kind of projects certainly learn a lot from from being part of the CNCF.
0: What what bit of advice would you give someone who's now trying to get their open source project approved with CNCF? Because I, I know I I was looking at it from from our perspective over here at Veritas and you know, what is that process and how long does it take and how difficult is it? It looked I mean, it's well documented, how you have to go through these different stages in order to get to, you know, where you are as far as a sandbox and get it approved, et cetera. So how complicated is that?
1: Well, if you're brand new to CNCF, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, and you've never heard of them before, it's pretty complicated. Even though there's documentation, you know, it's in different places and it can be a little difficult to understand. If you're familiar with CNCF and you you know you're active and you you know, you follow other projects and so on, you, it's less of a hurdle for you. But I, w- I would suggest that you need to understand how CNCF communicates, and it's mm. primarily through GitHub mm-hmm. and through Slack, and okay. the public meetings that the Technology Oversight Committee, the TOC, holds, and several of the user groups, you know, the, the advisor groups hold. They are online on YouTube. So you can go there and watch them review sandbox submissions. And and that's what I would suggest is go to YouTube, find these recordings. And that will really tell you a lot about how the CNCF operates, because that's key. It's fairly simple to to submit a form and uh, submit for your project, Uh, but you can see what other forms have been submitted already. So you can get lots of ideas from other examples. Mm -hmm. And then you can see also when the sandbox review meetings are being scheduled. It depends on how many are in the queue. So it could be a short process, a few months. It could be quite a bit longer, you know, depending on how much activity there is at the time.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's something to think about. And maybe I'll get you to maybe send me some screenshots or something of how your open source project looks, or is, is there also like a web UI or something that shows you how to go through and configure? Is or is it more like uh, low code, no code? What does the configuration process look like, and mm-hmm. how does it all help someone as far as being able to u- use it?
1: Sure. Well, the the Hexa software itself, we we're doing a bit of refactoring now because we've been at this. For a couple of years, so we've learned a lot along the way as we built. We call them providers, the integrations. Okay. We built providers for um, Google Cloud, for Amazon, for Azure, uh, for Open Policy Agent, even the new uh, Amazon Verified Permissions product. So we we integrate with that as well. So we build mm. these providers, and so we're refactoring. So that it, we're going to have an SDK that developers can easily pick up and see the examples of what we have built and how you build your own providers. So you can uh, take that SDK and use it as is, or you can go out and, and add your own providers and, and hopefully contribute that back to the open source project. Okay. But we also have a fully contained demo environment that you can download, build hmm. a hexa server and um, there's a demo application. There's an open policy agent server. Uh, so it's a whole environment and it includes a hexa console. Then this is where you would uh. connect to a target environment like the open policy agent demo, pull in those policies and you can change them, publish them back to the server, and you can see the, you know, the changes in the demo app. So, hmm. so we, we wanted to make that available so you could actually see it in action yourself. It's um, basically a, a simple download, a build, and uh, a Docker Compose command. So all those components run in uh, Docker containers on your local laptop.
0: So it sounds like you can't be a novice trying to to do all this because I'm, I'm thinking about college students like mm-hmm. who are at university right now, undergraduate, uh, in computer science and trying to get hands on with certain technologies and... All all the college students that I speak with, they are so inundated with the books and just, you know, being in the computer lab and their programming classes, et cetera. They're not looking at what's really out there as far as what are the technologies that are out there today? How do you use or set up infrastructure, virtual infrastructure within AWS or Azure or Google Cloud? And how do you do all of those things instead of just reading about networking Mm -hmm. in a book? Right, so what is this something that maybe a college student could download, or would they already have to have some type of knowledge about this? I
1: well, you don't need a whole lot of knowledge to be able to download and Just run to the drive demo. and
0: passion, maybe. Yeah,
1: absolutely, it's pretty simple. Now, if you want to get into the hexa code itself and submit a, you know, a, a change or you know, submit an,
0: a, like a pull request a pull or something, request. yeah. Sorry. yeah
1: you can certainly do that. We, we do have folks from time to time that will pull, pull a, a user story off of our backlog because on occasion we'll have things labeled, you know, good first issue. But I think that's a great way for, for a student who's got a little bit of experience and now they want to, you know, try their skills out in the real world, look for an open source project to commit to. And this can build up your resume, your CV and your experience and, and give you more exposure to yeah. what's, what's happening out there. You know, there's lots of great open source projects and CNCF just, you know, has dozens of them that you can check out, you know, in the identity security and, you know, cloud infrastructure space.
0: Well, I hope that college student out there listens because <laughs> there, there's no excuse today as far as being a college student and knowing that you, you're going to graduate, that you could already get hands-on experience. You could, you could already go out and start studying for certification tests and, you can create your own internship nowadays, right? It's it's a different world. Everything is ran from your cell phone and the technology is just phenomenal, especially with AI on, on the horizon. Are are you doing anything with artificial intelligence right now?
1: Yeah, we're we're definitely looking into it. It's you know, obviously a fascinating space and getting so much attention today. <clears throat> if you're not looking at AI, you're doing you're doing something wrong, that's for sure. Oh yeah. I, you know, we're, we're looking at different aspects, you know, to start small, you know, one way is to have the co-pilot chat bot kind of experience so that, you know, customers or interested parties can ask questions, you know, how do you do this with Stratus mm-hmm. product or how do you do that? Or, you know, things of that nature. Yes, there's always manuals and documentation, but you have a specific question and you want to, you get an answer or where do I find out how to do this configuration setting? you know, that can be a,
0: yeah. a time
1: saver for people. So it's certainly looking at things like that I was looking at some research and reading some things recently and saw a presentation by Benedict Evans, who I thought mm-hmm. had a fascinating take. You know, one of the things he said was that, you know, using AI is like hiring a thousand interns, you know, speaking of interns.
0: Um, <laughs> Sorry, interns. <you> know, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, interns can do the AI work, right? So, yeah. But but it's all about leveraging AI to be more efficient, right? To do repetitive or simpler things that just take time, but that you right. can you know use use an AI assistant to do something like that.
0: Okay, really cool. And maybe one final question: How can someone incorporate Hexa into their like maybe their project that they're working on, or maybe even one of their products?
1: Yeah, well, we're having those kind of conversations um, these days more frequently. And um, it's really going to be, you know, taking a look at the architecture and and the strategy for what uh, we want to do with policy orchestration. If that lines up with, you know, your needs, when typically the customers come to us and say, well, I've got all of these applications spread across multiple clouds. And I need Mm -hmm. a way to manage that more effectively, you know, because today You've got to use the bespoke tools for each platform. And it also takes a lot of skills that you have to have on your staff. Whereas with, with our approach, you can leverage, you know, fewer people across that kind of complex environment. But it's a matter of taking a look at our SDK, um, utilizing the providers, the integrations that we've already built and look to extend that to this, you know, certain you know, specific needs that, that you have, whether you're uh, an enterprise that's managing all these business mm-hmm. apps, or you could be a product vendor that has you know a lot of different products with different policy formats, and you want a way to uniformly manage them across that. So come talk okay. to us. We'll show you what we've built, how we've built it, and, and how it can be extended to add more systems to the mix.
0: And how do they download the free version?
1: Well, the repo is on GitHub. Um, okay. but if you go to the project web website hexoorchestration.org mm-hmm. um then you can find
0: us. Okay, got it, got it. And I don't know if you have time to read or not. Do you you have a good book recommendation for us? Something that you you're reading besides the New York Times <laughs> or the Wall Street Journal?
1: Oh, at the moment I don't. You know, I I go f- between history books and okay. and fiction, sort of drama novels. Certainly, some of the the classic nonfiction books that I enjoy reading about U.S. history and World War II and stuff like that. So Stephen Ambrose has some amazing. I kind of
0: figured that books you you, out there. you you look like a, a history buff. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Jerry, I do appreciate all the details and information that you have provided about policy orchestration and IDQL and HEXA and, you know, the whole CNCF sandbox and everything about that. And before I let you go, I want to put a plug in for our backup and recovery professionals LinkedIn group. There is about 20, almost 23,000 cybersecurity storage backup and recovery professionals in that group on LinkedIn, having conversations similar to the ones that we are having right here on data protection gumbo. And until next time I, I may have to, to, to get you back so we can just go all in on, on AI. Once you you've rolled out that chat bot or some other type of feature that that makes those 1000 interns do uh, maybe the, the work of 10,000 interns, I don't know.
1: But in any case, do your backups, everybody do your backups.
0: It's good oh, yeah. And oh, test yeah. your recovery. All of the news is, is enough, well, it's not enough marketing, but it's, it's clear every day that if, if, you're, if you don't have an appropriate backup strategy, disaster recovery, business continuity, cyber resilience, policy, and all the security, Cybersecurity security controls and you could be in big trouble
1: <laughs> absolutely totally agree with that
0: all right dear. well thank you so much for for being a guest on the show and until next time everyone stay secure and back up often